うまいうまいうまい Hey everyone, and welcome back to Demon Slayer Chronicles. It has been a long time since this show has been around. Actually, I think towards the end of the actual Demon Slayer manga was the last time we put out a video on this, but we are back now. So before anything, my name is Andrew Nimsgren, and alongside me, I have Dylan Beal. We will be going through this for the most part with James Graham, our third original co-host, maybe joining farther down the road, but right now it'll be me and Dylan first diving through the movie and then going through the new entertainment arc this entertainment district arc that is going on in the show right now how this is going to be doing is that really the reason we put off the side is we've been doing a my hero academia podcast called class 1a and we we're actually going to be doing this bi-weekly kind of alternating between the two shows first off today we're going to be diving into the movie the very high level recap we chose not to do with the actual movie arc and we we're only doing the movie so we know there's a little bit of differences here and there but we want to get talking about the actual arc and get caught up on where the series is at. So we chose not to do the extra six episodes and just do the one movie review. So we'll be talking about everything coming up here and then going on every two weeks, talking about another episode where we'll do a high level recap, talking about our general thought, our favorite moments. And then Dylan, as always, is going to have a couple of his Taisho secrets, which are kind of little fun snippets here and there about the show, about the character, about just kind of Japanese lore i guess is a good way to kind of call it wait wait hold on hold on <laughs> it's, first of all, history. it's history don't you can't just call history lore i mean you're not I've wrong been, but i've been playing a lot of elden ring here give me a break here but we're getting back into it it'll be the same kind of quality you expect from anything you've ever listened to us on and if you are new welcome to the show this is demon slayer chronicles but dylan before we even dive into the recap or anything like that quick spoiler free thought at you What's your experience with Demon Slayer up to this point? Yeah. So uh, for Demon Slayer, I would say I'm an anime-only watcher. Um, I watched the first season after all of the hype around it. It was really great. Uh, and then I just got excited for the movie. It was a little bit until I actually went out and, and saw it. Um, theaters, yeah, I live in LA. So like theaters were like a little sketchy around that time uh, to actually go because of COVID and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I, I watched the movie and I'm really excited about the new season. Yeah, and I actually joined in, I think, like three or four episodes late to season one after we kicked off. And then once did it, I was fully in on the hype. And as soon as season one ended, I went and read the entire rest of the manga. So I have already completed the manga. And it was actually the first show to ever get me to read the manga. Even though I've been watching My Hero Academia for years, this was the first manga that I had to go out of my way to read and understand what it is. And then for whatever reason, never saw the movie when it came out in theaters. Didn't watch any of the episodes for season two. I think part of it because I knew what was going on. Now that I've watched the movie, I am personally upset, Dylan, that I didn't watch the <laughs> movie. It was phenomenal. We'll talk about our high-level thoughts here in a second. Started watching season two. Phenomenal as well. So I'm fully back in on the Demon Slayer train, and I think it'll be fantastic for all of you to go along on the journey with us as we're experiencing the movie season two and beyond. But... Dylan, what were your high-level, spoiler-free thoughts? Obviously, most people already see the movie at the moment, but just give me a 30-second feel about the villains, the emotional impact, the characters that are kind of new to the uh, movie. What did you think? Yeah, I thought... Well, so the movie's amazing, right? The movie yeah. is incredible. Um, I loved basically every second of it. Um, I thought the way that they condensed down the entire arc into a movie was absolutely perfect. It's like... I mean, I know that there is the show version of it, but I like couldn't imagine any other way because it just fits so perfectly. Uh, the visuals are 10 out of 10 visuals. Somehow they got better. Like, I don't yeah. know how you got the visuals better, but they got better. And the thing that struck me the most about it 
was their ability to like go through emotions of like, here's a serious moment, here's a sad moment, here's a funny moment, all in the course of like two minutes. And it doesn't feel like whiplash. Like they're able to ebb and flow you out of different emotions better than like any media I've ever seen. And it was crazy because like one moment I'm crying and the other I'm like laughing at a joke. And it's and it's wild how they do it. I love the movie. Yeah. And the introduction of uh, Rengoku was fantastic. Obviously one of my favorite characters in the entire series and seeing him on screen animated being as badass as I remember him being was so cool to see and experience. And just he had, I mean, I think he, he alone had those moments of where he had a sad moment, a serious moment, a, um, a funny moment and all that outside of the entire movie. So he was always kind of doing his own thing too, really kind of being where it is. But I think the main villain, super cool. I think the idea of it, I think the overall um, story and the powers and all that, I think, again, it's fantastic. It was, was so good that I, like I said, I was physically, like, physically upset at myself for <laughs> not watching it earlier. I think there's nothing more I can kind of say about that. But we'll be diving more into our exact thoughts here. But just for anyone that has maybe been a while since you watched it, because obviously if you're watching this live, season two is 12 episodes in. So this has been a while possibly before you've seen this. But this is going to be a spoiler recap. I'm going to be doing it very high level, so I don't even know how much I will spoil. But I'm going to dive into that right now. The movie starts off with the core three almost missing the train, but then getting on and meeting up with the Hishira. Goku, who we are kind of meeting the first time we saw him earlier on in the series, but this is the first time we're getting a chance with them as there have been rumors that over 40 people have been eating on the Mugen train. Their journey, their goal is to find the demon and then stop and save everyone, obviously. And very early on in the movie, almost in the first 10 movie, 10 minutes, two demons show up almost instantly and are both easily taken out by Rengoku. And everyone seems to put their nerves down a little bit when they come around and have all of their tickets stamped and are instantly put to sleep. We learn that the main demon's power is this ability to put all people into a deep, either happy or sad dream. And then they use that kind of to their advantage to eat, kill, whatever they kind of do to people. Um, <laughs> and that's how the 40 people so far have been taken out. We go through and kind of seeing what each of the different uh, demon slayers are seeing in their own dreams. And eventually these young children that seem to either be ill or just in the worst situations are tied are then sent in by the main demon to destroy the core because once the uh, person's core is destroyed they're pretty much crippled and it would make the demons a uh, chance to kill all the de demon slayers very very easily because he said that even the most skilled demon slayer could wake up when a bloodthirsty demon is nearby so we go through that whole arc all three of them get down their own way tanjiro is the first way and catches on to the main demons kind of plans right away and actually deheads the main demon but as he deheads, he actually realizes that the main demon, I guess the train demon, we'll just call him from the main demon, has now merged with the astral train and the entire train is now his body. So with everyone woken up now, including Nezuko, they are now defending the people, also trying to get to the end where Nosuke and Tanjiro go up to the head of the train and kind of fight off against the demon train, whatever you want to call it, where they did find the head. And using a couple of breathing techniques, they eventually come together to take the neck off and the train kind of derails with everyone going off. Tanjiro was stabbed earlier on by a actual human that was kind of coerced or threatened by the demon. So he's now in severe pain laying on the ground, not really being able to do much. When Goku comes over, they have a conversation about how well he did. Everyone is pretty much not that injured. 
a couple of people were kind of under the train of being rescued right now by the other demon slayers when all of a sudden the upper three demon shows up and there is an epic showdown between Rengoku and the upper three pretty much going over what people value as strength trying to bring Rengoku over to a uh demon because of how powerful he is and how much respect the upper three has for him and the showdown just goes over with multiple moments multiple amazing animation until eventually Rengoku does die to the upper three as the sun is going up he almost does get upper three to go down with him but unfortunately Rengoku kind of has a couple of seconds where Tenjiro is able to talk with them he tells them how much he believes in him that he should be the next Hashira and all that really touching moments there but after all I guess before all that Tanjiro does throw his sword at the upper three kind of going through calling him a coward just yelling screaming about how the demon flares are so much better and that's kind of really where the movie wraps up there's some touching moments there's some more conversation Inosuke who is usually pretty emotionless is very very emotional here in this moment and just an overall kind of a sad wrap up to what 20 minutes earlier we thought was going to be a happy ending I think that's part of what makes this movie so amazing. Well, with the recap, Dylan, you anything you want to just kind of say right off the bat about anything now instead of just those high-level spoilers? Um, no, I mean, the only, like, uh, big thing is just it broke me in half. Oh, the ending, like, so uh, the way that I originally watched it um, is I have a, a friend here super, super into Demon's Hair, and he's, like, got to watch the movie already. And I went over there and watched it, and it got to that point uh, of like where you think it's the end. I'm like, wow, that was that was really good. Like, you know, I just started like packing up or whatnot. And he's like, hold on, there's more. I was like, what? He's like, there's more. Uh, and then the next 20 minutes, just like it, it like broke me in half of like it. I, I don't know. It sounds cheesy, but like this is how good anime can be. It, yeah. This really is how good anime can be. And I just love it so much. I think even though the first hour and a half was amazing, the last 20 minutes overshadows the rest of the movie by far. Oh, yeah. Not only seeing... I mean, it's the big conversation of the entire series. Demon versus human. Who's more powerful? Who can come out of it? Having that conversation, seeing Rengoku kind of going through his own emotions, fighting through it literally on the verge of death, trying to hold the demon down until the sun comes up so they can do it, even though he's going to die at this that point. I mean, I think the animation there is what animation can be. I think... The story and emotion is what anime can be there. I think it really highlights the best of what anime can be in a 20-minute segment, which is incredibly hard to do. And that's after the twist of you already watching an entire movie before that. You already mm -hmm. get to experience the highs of everything, think it's good, and then go back on that roller coaster again, thinking, oh, Rangaku's going to win this. Like It's going to end with a happy ending. And when it doesn't, it's another reason why I love Demon Slayer. Nothing ever really builds good for the Demon Slayer core here. Throughout the entire season, they always seem to be on the back foot, and this continues to be there, and it just continues to set the tone that this is not My Hero Academia. It is not always going to end with a happy ending. Like, there are real consequences every single day in this show. Yeah, anybody could die. Yeah, so I mean, there, I mean, there's just so much I want to talk about here. Like, I think our next point is literally just our favorite moments, and outside of the last 20 minutes, I loved... Uh, Inosuke's dream section. I just want to talk about that for a second of how he was the king of the mountain. He had the everyone just kind of falling around as like little animal characters. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you realized it, but um, he knows the powers of Zenitsu and Tanjiro, but he screws them up because he called Tanjiro to have really good hearing. 
ends the next would have really good smelling and kind of <laughs> call the names off of that. So it's just a little moments kind of like that. Yeah. And the serious movie, there's so many things like that. But I still remember what Inosuke's dream exactly was, the characters and all that. So mm-hmm. I think that was fantastic. And just really every time when Goku was on screen, we'll talk more about him specifically. Um, but he is one of my favorite characters in all of Demon Slayer. So kind of seeing a movie that's centered around him, I loved everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like every moment of him on screen was either like had me laughing or it it just had me like standing up and cheering. Uh, and I, I think that just like spells out like what this character can do. Um, just like incredibly funny moments, super hype moments at the same time. Um, I definitely I understand the appeal now. Like I, I know why this is like one of like everybody's favorite Shira. Yeah. And I think even both the demons, I know obviously the upper three, I think, what was his name? Like Akaza or something like that. I don't even have to know if we ever even learned the name of the first demon that was a trained <laughs> demon. But I think they were such good contrasting villains. Even though it's hard to really call the upper three, obviously he hasn't made a fight, but he didn't feel like the villain of the movie. But the trained demon, I think, was a different approach of everything we've seen. Normally demons are very brute kind of strength here. They're, I'm going to power more powerful than you or anything. And with him being this kind of more strategic kind of demon, I loved that aspect of it. I loved it really, even though he was kind of in control the entire time, with his powers, it put the focus on the demon slayers the entire time. Tanjiro getting through his dream and all that. So I think the villain was actually really good, even though I don't know his name. I don't care to know his name. I still respect him as a good demon. (laughs) I think it was the perfect amount of him seeming super powerful but the movie also being about how the demon slayers overcome it the entire time. I mean, a hundred percent. And like, you know, this cause like I'm a, a big Jojo's fan, but I love whenever fights are like in the like strategy realm and you got to think your way out of a situation. Um, I, I, I always love when fights are, are leaning into that. Like obviously like the might versus might fights are always like super hype. Um, but this is just like an interesting twist you can always throw in there. And so like uh, the, the moment that really stood out that I thought was incredible was uh, whenever he was like falling asleep and awaking and falling asleep and awaking by like killing himself or whatever in the dream. And like the moment of where like it gets to the point of the fight where he can't tell and then Nosuke has to save him for it. Like, oh man, like that was that really is, about like, to be the, my next point. So that was good. Peak. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it is. I mean, it kind of goes to show and just the whole understanding Tanjiro more in this movie. I think it really kind of raised Tanjiro to a different bar. I mean, the one kid going inside of his soul and seeing that it is just pure. It has little people taking him up to his soul that even though they're destroyed, and the kid seems emotionally changed forever after being inside Tanjiro for about 20 minutes. Um, and then him having the resilience to keep waking up and doing that over and over again, but still being weak enough and still having that moment that at the end is that I'm not powerful enough, even though he did so much during that movie that clearly mm-hmm. without him, this all goes wrong but then still having it being overshadowed at the end and seeing like that Rengoku versus Akaza fight. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I mean, incredible character growth, but incredible moments at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and like, it is the trope of anime of like having like the main character be like this pure of heart person that is like perfect. And like, yeah, Tanjiro is kind of pure heart and perfect, but also like he has clear flaws. Like they, they wrote, they wrote him as the trope, but in a good non tropey way, which is like crazy, right? Like, he, he's a character that, like, wants to fight for what he believes in and his friends and whatnot. But, like, he cries. Like, he shows emotion and whatnot. And, like, he has limits to his strength. It's it's so interesting. He's such an interesting character. I know. It feels like 
out of yeah like i said it's hard i haven't watched a lot of shonen but it just i like the power scaling in demon slayer so much more because at this point in my hero academia it really felt like deku could do anything i know i talk about that a lot but that's where it is but here he i mean he there was nothing he could have done there in a way deku would have found a way to win in my hero academia but in demon slayer it's like no the power gaps in the show are so big and so clear just i mean they here they showed it just by speed up here movement too but even some of the demon arts and all that too it just shows how far he has to go which is exciting for me because now i get to keep seeing him grow time by time more training arcs more smaller demons and all that but also seeing the high tier combat and you being able to notice the difference in the same movie i think all of it was mm -hmm. great yeah absolutely but i guess i want to spend a little bit of time talking about rengoku obviously we both seem to love him i think that's pretty much on there but did he die too soon? I mean, do I, it's so hard without you knowing any of the story, but I know the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. You don't. Yeah. Do you feel like him being in the show going forward, him finding a way to barely survive and maybe being a mentor figure would have been better than him passing away. Do you think his short story in the series, which is probably 20 chapters here or a two hour movie was all you need to monetize him as a fantastic character forever. Or what do you kind of feel about him passing away in the same movies introduced? I think that he died too soon, but that's what makes his death a good thing. Like, it feels like we didn't have enough time with him. He's introducing such a cool character. He can be such an awesome mentor. And it's like, this is great. This this character will be so great for Tanjiro and so great for the story. And I'm so hyped to see him fight for seasons and seasons and seasons. And when he dies, like, that's why his death is really good is because, like, there is all that possibility and it was taken away. It feels like a real death, right? Like, like, it feels like we didn't have enough time with them. And and I think that's what, like, really makes it a good, emotionally impactful thing. Because otherwise, if he was just, like, this single-use character of, like, he had his purpose and he lived it out, then it's like, yeah, whatever. It's it's not that big of a deal. But it's such a big deal because he, he could have been around for so much longer. I think they executed it, like, perfectly. Yeah, and I mean... They, they even make you feel like oh no he has to make it because like they set up a thread with like him and his dad not being that close and they had a big moment there so like yeah. oh he needs to be able to go and kind of get that figured out he's talking about Tanjiro trading under him he's talking about all this there and there it's like they're building him up to be a bigger character that like oh this is going to be the um Kakashi for the group like they're going to have someone to follow around on missions to build up power and then go off their own when they finally get there and that's all taken away and 15 minutes after being built up for an hour and a half is just devastating. And again, like I said, mm -hmm. one of my favorite characters, and I think it is because he died so soon is that you get to think about what he could have been, how impactful his death was, how much he did do in the little bit we got to spend time with them. And then it's just, I loved his attitude. I loved his personality. It just seemed so different compared to really anyone else you run into in the demon slayer universe, but still being this incredibly powerful fighter. It's just, yeah, I, I thought that, Go on. I thought the pacing of his character was like, like insanely cool. So we're introduced to him and we know he's a Shira. So like obviously super powerful. And then he just has a scene of him eating, just like yep. screaming delicious over and over. And it's like, okay, instantly we know he's a funny character because he's like very dead, like deadpan kind of funny. And then we switch over to the mode of where he just like goes insane on the demon. And you're like, okay, cool. Like he's now the mentor figure here. It's like, okay, awesome. I'm here for it. And then the next big beat we get with him is where he's in the dream and out of the dream, his survival instinct is so strong. His arm just reaches out and he chokes the girl. And like, that's the clue that like, okay, he's funny. 
He can be really funny. He has a cool design. He's a mentor character, and he's insanely strong, stronger than we've ever like seen a character before in the show. And it sets him up. It just in those beats, and that's like in twenty minutes or something, just perfectly, just absolutely perfectly. Yeah, that Ben they did everything he needed to do, and then he doesn't show up for like a good thirty minutes in the movie. Like he does all that right away, and then it shifts completely focus over yeah. Tanjiro's him and it's so they're still making it about him i just think the overall pacing of the movie not only rangoku's character arc was fantastic being able to move around to build up this character to fall in love with him in the first 20 minutes and then just forget about him until the very end of the train arc where they have to he just tells people what to do pretty much and then he still don't really see him much it even makes mentions about how he was holding back five train carts but you don't even see that but you believe that when they says like that mm-hmm. he was stopping five train carts by himself so Again, I I don't think I can really say much more besides the fact that overall movie was a masterpiece when Goku's character arc in an hour and a half, which is better than some character arcs of three seasons. Um, So I I don't have too much else to say about that besides kind of where the movie ends and what's next transition in the season two. Obviously, that's what we'll be talking about next. Some episodes are out. I'm about two episodes in the season, so I kind of have a little bit of an idea what's left, but with how it left you, even though with him dying, does it get you excited for season two? Like, yeah. do you, you, you feel like that's looking forward to it? A hundred percent. Like the, the ending moments with like Tanjiro, like just like, just screaming, right. Just screaming and crying and all that. Like it's such a sad moment, but it's also hype moment because it's like, I want to be there on the journey with Tanjiro, right. As he's getting stronger. Like I want to be there with him. Cause I can, I could feel the passion of like him just yelling it all out. Like, that instantly gets me hyped for them for more seasons. It feels like an emotional change. Like not only do they realize that there's a physical change that's going to happen so that they can keep up with them. I think especially Nosuke and uh, Tenjiro, that's pretty much there during that last 30 minutes of the fight. That's the, what every time I look back on, I'm saying that I'm mentally not strong enough and I'm physically not strong enough. So that kind of sets up a little bit of a training arc coming up here. But I think yeah. the mental part and Nosuke screaming and sobbing at the end towards Tanjiro of character that showed basically no emotion the entire first 26 episodes that we really kind of interacted with them, I think is huge. We talked about Rengoku's character arc, but I think Inosuke is going to have a big character arc here too. I think he's still going to be himself, but I think the emotional standpoint of where he's at is going to kind of twofold. And I think Zenetsu is still going to be the most annoying character in all of anime. Yeah. I don't no, think he's uh, going to change at all. He, he wasn't part <laughs> of the last 30 minutes, so he'll have no impact and he'll still be annoying as hell. Okay. I, I have hope that he is not just going to be a character uh, caricature of himself forever, but we will we'll see. see. Well, we will see. <laughs> but I mean, overall, obviously, if you haven't seen this movie and you're at this point, go see it. Go yeah. get into Demon Slayer if you're not into Demon Slayer. The movie's fantastic. So Watch the arc if you want, if you want to kind of flush it out. I remember watching the first couple episodes um of the arc i think i watched the first two the first one if you wanted to watch like the first episode of the arc it's all about rengoku before he actually gets on the train how he gets all the different food it's kind of a fun fillerish episode and then it goes in the movie i think there's a couple extra scenes kind of throughout the movie but i'd watch if you really want to get the most out of it watch the first episode of the arc watch the movie then go straight into districts two you kind of get the fun more moments with rengoku which me i loved a lot of people didn't but for me being such an impactful character. Otherwise, just watch a movie, jump into season two and continue to love Demon Slayers because I'm three episodes in and I can already tell you 
it already feels at what the peak of season one is. I'm already getting that two, three episodes into the next season. So it Ooh. only gets better from here. And there's, I think it's a 26 episode season again. So it goes. Yeah. I'm uh, I, I'm excited that we're going to be able to cover it. Uh, all of them. Yeah. So I know Dylan, you have Taisho secrets coming up in a second, but this will be bi-weekly. So we will not be recording episode one next week. It'll be the following week. And then so on trying to catch up. Hopefully James might join at some point, but we will be doing this. We will be back with episode one. But before we wrap up the episode, Dylan is going to be going into some Taisho secrets. Yeah. And so here's a Taisho secret. Two, two, uh, because this is a movie and because this is our big uh, jump back in uh, to doing this podcast, I actually had two. Uh, one, because I feel like it would be a disservice to not say this one about just how much money this movie made and how well it did at the box office. True. Um, so it grossed $503 million worldwide. That's insane. It was like the highest grossing film of 2020, and it was the first time a non-Hollywood production topped the annual box office. Wow. So huge movie. Not only that, it's the highest grossing anime and Japanese film of all time. Like this movie, it did insane numbers. I, I think the reason why was like a couple. One is because there's such an insane hyper right now around Demon Slayer. People love it. People want to see it. Also, when it came out, it was one of the few movies that was actually out because it, it was in 2020, like peak of COVID. Um, one of the only movies that were that was new and exciting during that time. And at that point, people just wanted to get out and do anything. Yeah. And this movie kind of is a standalone. Like it, it can fit as a standalone. You don't really need to watch the show to get into it. And so it's just, it was such an easy thing for anyone who kind of wanted to watch something interesting to just go out and watch it. Um, so I think I think it had a lot of different factors on why it did so well, but yeah, what is did 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 insane numbers, and because of those numbers, I think we can be pretty confident that the budget going forward in the show is going to be a non-issue. Oh, yeah. I don't think it was before the movie, honestly, but I think that yeah. solidified it. And the second Taisho secret, we're going to start talking about trains. I got some train facts for everyone. Oh God! So. It's called a Taisho secret um, because uh, the error that this is in is the Taisho era. So if you want to think about what year does this uh, series take place, it's about 1915-ish. could be a little bit earlier, could be a little bit later, but it's about 1915-ish. It's a good number to remember. Um, so in the early 1900s, uh, there was the Japanese-Russo War. Um, and during that time, uh, they did a lot of troop transportation with trains. Um, but they were really slow. There's a lot of delays. Uh, people were actually really upset because of it. It was like kind of embarrassing for Japan that their trains suck so much. So what they did in 1906 was they went to the big five uh, railway companies and they were like, hey, I know you're private businesses, but we want to nationalize the trains. And they went, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And they nationalized the train system there. Then in 1910, they passed the Light Railways Act um, which they were able to make like cheaper railways now uh, with smaller gauges. Uh, so basically what that means is they can now go out into like rural areas. And so now more people had access to trains. So it's a national system. More people can use it. And that is why like this is like a perfect time to have uh, a movie about them going on a train is because like this point in time period is when trains to like common, more common areas was starting to really sprout up. Like obviously you had the big city to big city trains, 
But now you had the branching systems of them going into like more rural areas so that more common people can just like use trains. Like it's no longer this big luxury thing or like big, big industry thing that that is a lot more expensive. It's, it's more affordable. You can actually have access to it. And then this might be in a couple of years after when this movie takes place or a couple of years before, just because we don't know the exact year. But in 1914 is when they opened Tokyo Station. Um, one mm-hmm. of the biggest train stations in Tokyo. Well, like the biggest one in Tokyo, but it's Tokyo train station. Very famous. Um, so trains really, really important in this time period. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of facts like, like this going forward, I think, because this is kind of like not the industrial revolution, but like this is like a big like uh, revolution in industry in Japan of like a lot of new things coming around. Steam powered trains are coming around. A lot of a lot of uh, connectedness all throughout like uh, other countries like Europe and other parts of Asia and North America are really happening at this time. So a lot of interesting things are going on. Yeah, and that trains does are get, just one of them. That will get touched on more in season two, just kind of knowing where they go. So that is definitely a big part of the series. You even see that every time someone goes into character or Nosuke has no idea what the train is. And I think Zenetsu hadn't really seen one before either. So it is, mm-hmm. it is super cool kind of seeing that's just always being kind of like the B plot of, Characters interacting with new things that they've never seen before. I always love to see as well. So I love yeah. the facts and I think it's it's a super cool time to have something there because not only is it the feudal demons versus swordsmen, but it's also trains and electricity being introduced and stuff kind of like that. So it's, it's a really cool thing. But I think that's going to be all for this week's episode of Demon Slayer Chronicles. It's so good to be back. So happy to talk through this movie and I cannot wait to be diving into everything season two has in store for us. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to hit us up on youtube.com slash class one a or twitter.com slash class one a pod. Stay up to date with everything we're doing. My Hero Academia, Demon Slayer related or whatever else we put out there. That is going to be your source for all the news and updates. But we'll see you all in two weeks. Otherwise, make sure to check out the Class 1A podcast next Saturday. See you all then.